Welcome to episode 283 of the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. If you want to burn fat, gain energy, and enhance your health by changing when you eat, not what you eat, with no calorie counting, then this show is for you. I'm Melanie Avalon, biohacker and author of What Win Wine. Lose weight and feel great with paleo-style meals, intermittent fasting, and wine. And I'm here with my co-host, Cynthia Thurlow, nurse practitioner and author of Intermittent Fasting Transformation, the 45-day program for women to lose stubborn weight, improve hormonal health, and slow aging. For more on us, check out ifpodcast.com, melanieavalon.com, and cynthiathurlow.com. Please remember, the thoughts and opinions on this show do not constitute medical advice or treatment, and no doctor-patient relationship is formed. So, pour yourself a mug of black coffee, a cup of tea, or even a glass of wine, if it's that time, and get ready for the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. Hi friends, I'm about to tell you how to get my favorite electrolytes for free, plus special announcement, Element's new chocolate medley is here. So when you think electrolytes, you might think summer and hot times and needing to stay hydrated. But did you know that hydration is actually super important in cold weather as well? There's an idea out there that cold weather reduces our hydration needs. That's not true. So in the cold, two main things can actually increase our metabolic rate. You may be working harder, tramping through the snow, and you can be wearing cumbersome winter clothing that can actually raise your energy needs by 10 to 20%. And as your metabolic rate raises, your sweat rate raises, and you need to replace those fluids with electrolytes. You also lose more water when it's cold through your breath. That's because cold temperatures contain significantly less water than hot temperatures, AKA it's drier outside. When you breathe in that cold, dry air, your respiratory system actually acts like a humidifier so that your body can be warm and humid like it likes to be. Of course, that drains your hydration reserves as well. One study actually found that respiratory water loss after a full day of activity nearly doubled at freezing temperatures compared to the 70s. On top of that, when you're cold, you actually become less thirsty, possibly from blood vessel constrictions in the cold, which can trick the body into thinking the blood volume is higher than it is. In other words, it's cold out there. You probably need hydration and electrolytes are so key for all of these cellular processes in your body, all of your energy production. It all requires electrolytes, but it can be hard to find electrolytes, which are clean, without unnecessary fillers, and which you can feel good about drinking. That's why I love Element. There's a reason I'm obsessed with it. There's a reason all you guys are as well. And like I said, I'm so excited because Element's new chocolate medley is here featuring chocolate mint, chocolate chai, and chocolate raspberry. And this is a limited time, so you definitely want to stock up on these now. Plus, you can get a free gift with purchase when you purchase that chocolate medley or other Element electrolytes. That's right, you can get a free sample pack, eight single serving packets for free with any Element order. It's a great way to try all eight flavors or share Element with a salty friend. You can get yours at drinklmnt.com slash ifpodcast. That's drinklmnt.com slash ifpodcast. By the way, those chocolates in that chocolate medley make delicious hot chocolates. And of course, as always, Element has a no questions asked refund, so you have nothing to lose. So go to drinklmnt.com slash podcast to get your free electrolytes.
One more thing before we jump in. Did you know that common ingredients found in skincare and makeup products can actually disrupt your endocrine system? These endocrine disruptors are a silent threat that can have significant impact on your health, including something that is very important to me, fertility. Your skin is your body's largest organ and what you put on it matters. Endocrine disruptors are chemicals that interfere with the natural hormonal communication in the body. It also matters during pregnancy. And that's one of the reasons I pay close attention to what I put on my skin while being pregnant. Studies have shown that exposure to endocrine disruptors can affect both male and female fertility. For women, these disruptors can lead to irregular menstrual cycles, ovulation issues, and even polycystic ovarian syndrome or PCOS. In men, they can reduce sperm quality and quantity, making it even more challenging to conceive. But it's not just about fertility. When it comes to fat loss, one of the reasons that endocrine disruptors can get in the way of fat loss is because a lot of our toxins are actually stored in our fat. It's a way that our bodies protect us from those toxins. These toxic compounds can even work synergistically, amplifying their harmful effects and making it that much harder to shed unwanted body fat. All of these reasons are why I am obsessed with a company called Beauty Counter. The founder actually started the company when she learned about the potential dangers of toxic chemicals and their link to health issues, specifically miscarriages and infertility. While pregnant, I make sure to only use Beauty Counter products. It's one of the only makeup lines that is officially recommended from the Environmental Working Group. What really sets Beauty Counter apart is their unwavering commitment to protecting us, the consumers, from the hidden dangers that lurk in conventional beauty products. Beauty Counter goes above and beyond, rigorously screening every single ingredient that goes into their products, ensuring that they are safe, clean, and free from harmful toxins. They're not just a beauty brand, they're a movement for change, advocating for stronger regulations in the beauty industry. With Beauty Counter, I know that I can trust that the skincare and makeup that I use are not only effective, but also safe for me and my family. They have skincare lines for every skin type, as well as so many other incredible products. I absolutely love their overnight resurfacing peel. It's my favorite way to get anti-aging benefits in a skincare product. The makeup is absolutely amazing. I have tried alternative beauty products in the past and none of them truly performed. But with Beauty Counter, the foundation is so amazing. It makes me feel like my skin can breathe and it looks so dewy and beautiful. You can shop with me at beautycounter.com slash Vanessa Spina. New customers can use the code CLEANFORALL20 for 20% off their first order. Beautycounter.com slash Vanessa Spina. All right, friends, now back to the show. Hi, everybody, and welcome. This is episode number 283 of the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. I'm Melanie Avalon, and I'm here with Cynthia Thurlow. Hey, Melanie. And what's new in your life, Cynthia? You know, this is September is the month of launches. So it's lots of launches. And tonight I have a webinar that I'm running. We have like 800 people signed up talking about why you can't lose weight, which is obviously a pain point for a lot of people, but I'm excited. I'm going to finish slides when we're done recording. So out of curiosity... Is there like one main reason? Are there a lot of reasons? How are you formatting it? Yeah, I, I give a, so it's, it's, we do these webinars when we're pushing into programs because it gives people an opportunity to see me and, and see some of my team. And we identify problems. We don't 
provide the solutions. So the the solutions are always in the context of programs. And so it's a really good way to connect with people, give them good information, but also leave them wanting more. Like that's really the, you give them good information, but then, you know, the, the solution is embedded in a program or embedded in a, you know, a one-on-one with Tessa, because I don't do those anymore. But yeah, it's exciting. I actually enjoy doing it. Although webinars at seven o'clock at night, it's like I get amped up and then I can't sleep. I don't, I'm not able to go to bed as easily. So I might get on my PMF mat tonight. Mm, that makes sense. To kind of gear down. How can people join your programs? They would go to the website. So we have IF45 and then Holistic Blueprint and actually Restart, which is our sugar detox. And so you go to the website and you know work with me. Probably by the time this episode comes out, IF45 will be closed, but you can get on the wait list for the next program. And that's the best way. Like we actually formulate the wait list so that people that are on them get advance notice of when the programs are going to go live. And more often than not, we offer incentives, which normally are praised as like discounts. So that are only available to them. And so it's, I I remind people that we don't fatigue our list. We try to nurture our list and, and offer incentives to be part of it. Awesome. Well, I definitely cannot recommend that enough. You're such a valuable resource and I'm sure that would be very helpful for a lot of people. So we will put links in the show notes to that and good luck with the rest of your prepping. Thank you. Thank you. I'm almost there. I'm almost there. As you know, it's like, you know, I think for all of us as entrepreneurs, it's a very delicate balance between flying by the seat of our pants and being very well researched and organized. It's like a constant delicate balance. Oh my, that's so true. Everything requires so much research, so much preparation, so much work, but then you also have to know what you can just do in the moment. Exactly. Exactly. Like I have Gundry next week. I'm finally interviewing him and I read his book when he was on your podcast and I'm reading it again. (laughs) So I'm like, that's my project this weekend. I'm going to read his book again and get organized for the podcast next week. Is it the energy paradox? Mm Mm-hmm. Have you had him before? I have not. I have not. And it was interesting. I don't know if it's because of travel, but there was a lot of back and forth to get this podcast scheduled. So I'm kind of like crossing my fingers because I know how it is. Both of us do what it's like when you have a book launch and you just get inundated with media requests and I'm still doing press about my book. So I'm sure for him, I know he's really gracious and wonderful. And I'm just excited to kind of share his work with my, my listeners. It's funny. I was having this conversation with actually somebody you just connected with, Vanessa. Mm-hmm. I just yesterday. She was lovely. She reminds me of you. Aw, I love her. We also communicate the same, like with emojis and yes. Well, no, no. She was very gracious, like incredibly gracious, and she was like, you know, did you know Mark Matson when you were at Hopkins? And I was like, no, actually, you know, the researchers usually are kind of off on their own. But I said I was so cardiology focused. Like I just wanted to be around the cardiology people, not realizing the greatness of Mark Matson. That's crazy. That never occurred to me that, wow, so close. We'll have to put a link in the show notes. So her podcast is the Optimal Protein Podcast. She's so smart too. I just, I love her. I brought her up though, because we were talking about Gundry because she's had Dr. Gundry on her show and we have the same perspective, which I'll, I'll be curious if you have this perspective after interviewing him. He's like such a legend and he's known for this whole plant paradox thing, which I think comes off as a little bit gimmicky. Like people might think it comes off as like trying to sell something. I think meeting him, he's not 
what I thought he was going to be. He's like, so I don't want to say that he, he comes off bad, but he's, he's so nice. He's so gracious. He's very smart. I did not get the impression that like, he's just trying to sell stuff is the point of that. Right. I think there's, there's a degree of genuineness there. And, and I think the same way about like Dr. Perlmutter. One of the nicest people too. Yes. And I think about Felice Gersh, who I just interviewed and is particularly relevant to this podcast because we're going to talk about PCOS. And I literally just sat in her greatness when I was interviewing her. And I felt the same way about Perlmutter. Like they are consummate educators, researchers, clinicians, and there is a genuineness about them that is really wonderful to see. Exactly. And I don't think you necessarily expect it because they're, you know, they're just so big and so many New York Times bestsellers and have these programs. So yeah, that's wonderful. So my current task that I'm trying to accomplish right now is we are finally, I'm so excited, releasing our next supplement. Well, I probably shouldn't say this yet because it might change around, but it's probably hopefully going to be NMN, which is an oral supplement that you can take as a precursor to NAD, which is basically a master coenzyme central to metabolism and correlated to a lot of people think it's a reason that we see effects with aging and low energy and post-viral fatigue. And I actually recently got sick, not COVID and Cynthia knows <laughs> I was like dying. So I started really upping my NMN and doing NAD injections. And that had a huge effect on my energy levels. So now I'm, it's funny, I was already sold on NMN, but now I'm just like all in and I'm definitely going to take it every day of my life for the rest of my life. But my task right now, it's my first powder supplement, which requires a scoop, which I don't want to have plastic scoops because that is not sustainable and I don't want to be creating plastic. So my task I've been doing right now is trying to track down sustainable scoops. It's all these little things that you don't think about that go into making a product. I didn't even thought about that because my creatine should be out this fall and we're going to put it in a pouch, not a plastic bottle. I hadn't thought about the scoops. Oh, well, I will have done. (laughs) I got you. No, literally hours. Like the other night, I probably spent three hours like Googling, trying to find and emailing companies, trying to find sustainable scoops. So yeah, I'm just not about this plastic situation. So yeah, stay tuned for all of that and stay tuned. I'm so excited, Cynthia, for you to have your supplement. I actually have been texting with our point of contact at MD Logic, and I was like, can we get like some sense? <laughs> We're still negotiating the packaging. That's that's the the big thing. They gave us some options, and I was like, I don't want pink packaging because I think this can be a product for... You said pink? Pink, as in P-I-N-K. And so I, I was saying I wanted to have a, a more neutral color so that it's not specific. Oh, yeah. I definitely think that's a... More inclusive. It's really fun creating products because there's so much that goes into it that you don't think about until you're doing it. And then you're like, oh. And then they put a, they wanted to put a photo of me on the back and I was like, no, no. So funny. Well, I'm very, very excited for you. I don't know if you know this yet. So do you think you're going to sell it on your website or are you going to create a new website for it? I think I'm going to sell it off the website as a starting point and then we'll kind of see how it does. I know it's going to do well. Like I'm going to put that out there. (laughs) It's going to do well, but I think we're going to start there because I'm hooked into WooCommerce. Okay. I'm really excited because I feel like I keep seeing now 
creatine coming up and the importance of it. I'm like, oh, I should probably be taking that. So I'm going to take yours. Yes. Well, because you know, like I'm completely obsessively wanting the, the cleanest products that are out there with no junky fillers. And there's just so much of that. That's the unfortunate thing is I, I think there are a lot of well-meaning companies that just don't realize that there are individuals that are sensitive to the fillers they use and they're not entirely gluten or grain or dairy free. And, and I think that's important. So we are going to put out the highest quality product, period. And I just want to comment on that really quickly, especially being in our sphere, I get products sent to my to my door all the time. And it's a lot of products from people that are in this health sphere and are people I respect. I would say 85% of the time, 90% of the time when I get supplements from people in the sphere that I respect, they have problematic fillers in them. You said it perfectly. People just don't really take it seriously. Like, I don't think it's, I don't think people realize that this could actually be having an effect on people. I'm excited that we can make clean supplements. Yeah, it's very exciting. And I, and can be completely transparent. I don't know as much about NMN as you do. So I'm interested in learning more. Oh, I've been doing, especially when I was sick, I was going down the rabbit hole. And so now what I'm doing is I'm trying to find every single NMN study in humans and I'm making an Excel chart to look at the dosages and what were the effects that were found. I mean, it's overwhelming the the benefits that have been found with it. Muscle health, even like blood sugar control. But I think the biggest thing is probably the just the energy and longevity and anti-aging. So when it's available, that will be at avalonx.us. Coupon code Melanie Avalon gets you 10% off. And then Cynthia, your website, is yours CynthiaThurlow.com? Mm-hmm, it is. And actually I have, I hand-selected products from MD Logic to feature on an MD Logic page on my website and Serapeptase is on there. Oh, yay. That makes me so happy. <laughs> I feel so honored. And we should point out that you can also shop at MD Logic and look at their products. Some of their products have some fillers, some don't, but in general, I mean, they are very high quality with everything they do tested. Just, I, I can really vet them. And so you can use either of our codes, Melanie Avalon, or is yours Cynthia or Cynthia Thurlow? I think it's Cynthia. I think it is too. I think we were trying to keep it simple. Okay. So you can use either of those codes to get a discount at MD Logic Health as well. Well, I can't tell you how excited I am for this first question. Friends, Cynthia's... Okay, let me tell you the timeline leading up to this. A text earlier from Cynthia. She's like, what episode are we starting with? Is it the is it the PCOS one? Because I'm excited to answer this question. And then we um, recorded another episode. And at the end, she was like, I'm excited for the PCOS question. So here we are, the PCOS question. So here's the thing. There are so many people impacted by PCOS and they don't even realize it. And I did an amazing podcast with Dr. Felice Gersh, which we'll link up in the show notes. And in preparation for that podcast, because as I tell everyone, Melanie is the most well-organized individual when it comes to her podcast. She's influencing me to be an even better prepared podcast host. So in preparation for Dr. Gersh's podcast, which had to be split into two because we spent an hour and a half talking about PCOS We'll do a second one this fall to talk about perimenopause and menopause because I wanted to serve the needs of everyone, but it was just, it completely blew my mind. Like the things she was talking about, the connection she was making as someone that is a thin phenotype PCOS, which means 
I am a thin woman, about 25% of women with PCOS are thin. And so they very rarely get diagnosed. And oftentimes they don't realize that they have thin phenotype PCOS until they start dealing with infertility issues. And like I said, we'll, we'll kind of dive into this. I, I think that it's super important for people to realize that PCS is far more common. It is the most common female endocrine disorder. Wow. And maybe you'll answer this with a question, but for the thin phenotype, what's the root cause? You actually have dysfunctional ovaries. Like it's an abnormality in the granulosa cells in the ovaries, and you can actually inherit this. So more often than not, your mother, your sisters, your aunts, your grandparents probably had PSOS as well. Wow. Yeah. I didn't realize until I started dealing with infertility issues. I had a luteal phase defect. I wasn't, I had suboptimal levels of progesterone. I wasn't, I didn't have enough progesterone to be able to, even if I had gotten to a point where there had been union of sperm and egg, I didn't have enough progesterone to be able to even properly maintain an early pregnancy. And so it wasn't until I said to my mother, this is what I'm going through. My mom was like, oh yeah, I took Clomid. And so did one of your aunts. And so did this person. And this person needed IVF. And I just looked at her and I said, how did I grow up not knowing any of these things? Wow. Hi friends. We are so honored to be sponsored in part today by NutriSense. You guys hear us talk about continuous glucose monitors, aka CGMs, all the time on this show. And in particular, we love NutriSense, and here is why. NutriSense not only provides a 24-7 moving picture of your glucose values, they also offer a unique opportunity for self-discovery. So imagine this. You have a meal, and then you notice a spike in your glucose levels. So you think, hmm, that didn't go well. But here's the magic. Tomorrow, you can make a simple change. You can swap whatever you were eating for something else. Now you have real-time data to evaluate the impact. Maybe instead of that fruit, you have some vegetables. Maybe instead of that oatmeal, you have some yogurt. Maybe instead of that steak, you have some fruit. The continuous feedback loop that you can get with a NutriSense CGM empowers you to make quick, informed iterations with your meals. Maybe the change results in a completely normal glucose level, or maybe it's still a little bit high, but significantly better. Armed with this knowledge, you can refine your choices further, rapidly steering your glucose values back to the normal range. Without a continuous glucose monitor, honestly, you're just guessing and assuming that what you're doing is working. And when you go test your blood sugar levels at the doctor, that's just a snapshot of that one moment in time. It's not telling you what actually was happening throughout the day all the time. What makes NutriSense truly transformative is its ability to create lasting habits and intrinsic motivation. So instead of relying on generic advice from professionals or online sources or us, you have personalized real-time data from your own body. When you see the direct impact of your choices, it will resonate on a whole new level. This newfound awareness becomes the driving force, making it easier than ever to stay motivated and committed to your health journey. I promise you friends, it's like opening your eyes to the secret to lasting change because it gives you this empowering knowledge that you just didn't have before. So if you're looking to take charge of your health, gain real insights into your body and make sustainable, positive changes, NutriSense is your ultimate partner. Join them and us on this journey of discovery and unlock your full health potential. Get started today at NutriSense.com slash podcast and receive a $30 discount off of your first month, which includes two CGM sensors, free 
free shipping and professional nutritionist support. That's nutrisense.com slash IF podcast for a $30 discount off your first month with two CGM sensors, free shipping and professional nutritionist support which by the way, I get a lot of feedback on just how helpful that nutritionist support is. It's so easy. You can talk to them in real time in the app and they can really help you make sense of all the data that you receive from your continuous glucose monitor. Nutrisense.com slash podcast. And I am just so grateful to Nutrisense for helping support today's show. I feel like we're about to learn even more. So <laughs> our first question comes from Veronica. Subject is IF and PCOS. And Veronica says, hello. I hope I am able to get a podcast discussion referencing PCOS. Well, you are, Veronica. She says, when I was a very young girl, I began very painful menstrual cycles. In high school, some months the cycles would be so painful, I would literally pass out in the middle of my classes. This has continued throughout my adulthood. I've had extreme menstrual blood loss. I've had emergency surgeries, three with blood transfusions. In high school, I was a track slash cross-country runner. Even in the off-season, I ran no less than five miles a day. I loved running. Soon, I graduated, no longer having a sport training routine. My PCOS and probably depression caught up with me. I went from 93 pounds in 2005 to my highest that I posted in the group at 247 pounds after two failed IVF miscarriages. That was the deepest root of my struggles. I have never given birth and would love to have my own babies. I'm accepting that this most likely won't happen. So I knew my weight and health just wasn't going to do. This is where IF started for me. I know IF is about what health benefits it gives my insides and then weight loss is to follow. I know my body temperature is wrong. My body is conditioned to think it belongs in the 200s because I've been here for so long. I'm certain that I am extremely insulin resistant. I immediately began fasting clean and attempted 18-hour fasts. Fast forward to 2020. For a few months, I've been fluxing between 215 and 209. She says 2020, but she sent this sort of recently, so she might mean 2022. She says, most PCOSers have irregular cycles. I'm extremely opposite. I almost cycle for anywhere between two weeks to a month long with maybe a three-week in-between break. I don't think there's any physicians in my local area that understand IF. I wanted to know if there might be any physicians in your contact list that might understand the effects of PCOS with IF. I am slow to lose, and if I'm being honest until today, listening to your latest three podcasts, I'm understanding that processed foods are not good for my body. Today, it clicked. I'm going to challenge myself for a new six weeks to eat wholesome foods. What research might be available about PCOS and IF? Or what resources can I find to try and help me find answers? Thank you for being a vessel to what I know is my answer to losing this weight. I just need to find out what my body needs to begin the fuel and truly start healing. Thank you for taking the time to read my email. I hope to hear from you soon. Oh, Veronica, I read your email and I said to Melanie, we have to answer this as our first question of this podcast because as a woman that has struggled with PCOS and being unaware that I had PCOS until I tried to get pregnant, my heart just goes out to you. And absolutely, positively, there are practitioners that know how to manage PCOS. It really is at the basis is insulin resistance. I did a really fantastic podcast with Dr. Felice Gersh. In fact, 
we'll link it in the show notes, but I think it's one of those podcasts that completely shifted my entire perspective about PCOS. As I said earlier, it's the most common female endocrine disorder, and it's the leading, leading cause of infertility here in the United States. It's really focused on inflammation, balancing our hormones, and insulin resistance. That's really the basis of that. And you've described some of the more common symptoms of PCOS, but that can also encompass like acne and things like hirsutism, which is when you get hair on your face or on your body that is more of a pattern of what you would see with men. And that has a lot to do with the androgens. Women with PCS are more at risk for miscarriages, predominantly due to inflamed ovaries. And PCOS even increases our risk for autoimmune disorders, cancer, our endometriosis risk goes up by 2.7%. And I think on a lot of levels, the kind of conventional way that this is addressed is we're put on synthetic hormones, which never really addresses the root cause. So, you know, from my perspective, first and foremost, we absolutely need to get you connected with a PCOS savvy practitioner. I don't know where you live in the United States. Dr. Gersh is actually in California, outside of LA. But generally, a good rule of thumb is to use www.ifm.org. And, you know, certainly if you live in other parts of the country where I know I have friends who are very savvy GYNs, I'd be happy to connect you to them. So just let us know where you live. And so when we're thinking about addressing PCOS, it's really a mitochondrial issue, you know, down to the mitochondria. I know Melanie talks a lot about the health of our mitochondria on her biohacking podcast. I certainly talk a lot about it. So fasting can be a really important tool for that. We know exposure to endocrine-disrupting chemicals can actually exacerbate this. So BPA is the one that is most researched, and women, it's even proven that we're exposed to BPA in, in utero. So when a woman is pregnant, the fetus is exposed to BPA. We recognize that this becomes more problematic for women as they're getting older. It's not something that just goes away once we are no longer in our peak fertile years. And I think that's one of the really common misnomers. So Veronica, I don't know how old you are. It sounds like you're still fairly young. One of the things that I asked Dr. Gersh about is, you know, what are some of the changes or what are some of the things that we can do proactively if we have PCOS that don't involve medication? Because I think the kind of standard prevailing allopathic models, we put everyone on synthetic hormones. And so those really long, prolonged cycles that you're having are really a byproduct of this imbalance between estradiol and testosterone and progesterone. More often than not, women with PCOS have got a luteal phase defect, which is a fancy way of saying you don't create enough sufficient progesterone to be able to offset the amount of estrogen and testosterone. And as I had mentioned to Melly earlier, there's actually a genetic abnormality in the granulosa cells in the ovaries. And that is something that you oftentimes inherit. So, you know, maybe your mom or your sister or your aunt might have also struggled with infertility, might have also struggled with insulin resistance. So you really have to address PCOS as a three-legged stool, you know, reducing inflammation, balancing those hormones, improving insulin sensitivity are all very, very important. The other thing that I think is important is to talk about, you know, the lifestyle piece. So, light exposure in the morning, suppressing melatonin when you get up, increasing cortisol, finding ways to sleep and relax. Also thinking about gut health. So gut health and the vaginal microbiome, the estrobolome, which is the 
part of the microbiome that helps to package up and process estrogen are all really, really important. So it's never just one thing, but people automatically kind of lean into, oh, I have to, you know, you take a medication. Dr. Gersh really actually doesn't like metformin, although that's used quite a bit with women that have PCOS. She really likes myo-inositol, which is a supplement I talk about a lot. Actually, I have a lot of my female patients taking that in the evenings, but that can actually help with glucose metabolism. And then, you know, sometimes even the fasting mimicking diet or prolonged fasting can be helpful, especially if you're really struggling with insulin resistance. And then also exercise can be very beneficial. Even just walking can help with insulin sensitivity. Other supplements, because I know this will come up, are things like NAC and quercetin. We know that quercetin in particular improves insulin sensitivity, improves a key hormone called adiponectin that helps with hunger and satiety. It helps stabilize mast cells, which mast cells are released when we have a histamine response. And then thinking about things like curcumin, which has anti-inflammatory properties, D vitamins, probiotics, omega-3s, although I always like to get the omega-3s from fish as an example, and knack, all very helpful. So I think from my perspective, we definitely would love to see you get connected with a PCOS specialist or at least an IFM or A4M integrative or functional medicine provider, someone that's savvy with PCOS and is able to work with women that are impacted by this because the the insulin resistance, inflammation piece is going to obviously make it harder to get pregnant. But if you let us know where in the United States you live, I hope that I can definitely find a provider for you that would be able to help. But www.ifm.org is a good starting point if you want to you know, jump into checking people in your area that would be familiar and savvy with PCOS management and then, you know, referring you to an appropriate reproductive endocrinologist that could manage that part as well. Wow, that was overwhelmingly helpful. So the IFM, is it completely specific to PCOS? No. So it's a good starting point if I'm looking for a functionally integrative medicine focused provider. And then usually you can search by your zip code and you can see bios so you can get a sense for what people's focus is. It's just a starting point. Obviously, you know, I have people in California and Texas and throughout the United States. Dr. Tabitha Barber is another functionally trained GYN who, gosh, I think the last time I talked to her, she has licenses in almost every state. And these are people that are savvy with PCOS and and know how to address it. But Dr. Gersh, I'm not exaggerating. As soon as I started recording with her, I just said, I, I know we cannot do multiple topics justice. You're just such an incredible resource. And she's so lovely. Like you listen to her, you know, she's very female centric. She is wonderful. I would highly recommend listening to that podcast. I've done podcasts on PCOS before, but this is the best podcast I've ever done on PCOS. And I think it really would be a great resource and a good starting point. And actually Dr. Gersh has a book called PCOS SOS. I highly recommend it. And when I tell you that I have PCOS and I learned stuff in this book that I did not know. Completely blew my mind. And it's written It's written to be supportive. It's not written to be scary. When are you airing that episode? I already did. Oh, you already aired it. And then you're doing the second one in September. Yes. To talk about perimenopause and menopause. Awesome. Well, we will put a link in the show notes to that episode and her book for sure. So does it sound like, and I know you're not like diagnosing, but when somebody has had these issues, like all growing up, like Veronica, is it probably that situation where it's 
not necessarily like insulin levels related. It's that more root cause. No, I mean, at the basis of PCOS is insulin resistance. That's absolutely, you know, that, that that's like the crux of everything and the resultant inflammation, oxidative stress, et cetera. And then you get the imbalance in androgens, which drives a lot of symptoms as well. So, you know, it's a multi-pronged approach, meaning it's not just one thing, but there's a, there's a huge lifestyle component for a lot of these patients that are insulin resistant. They really have to adjust their relationship with carbohydrates, more protein, lower carbohydrate diet. It doesn't necessarily have to be ketogenic, but very, very important to get a harness of the insulin resistance as, as a cornerstone of addressing PCOS along with some of these other things. But I think good diagnostic testing and really getting a sense of everything that's going on, I think would be very valuable. So if you have that genetic ovary situation... That's at the basis. So everyone who has PCOS has some degree of of a genetic abnormality of their cells and their ovaries. And that's what's leading to the insulin issues or... I think it contributes. Yeah. Like all goes together. Wow. Okay. Well, I don't really have anything to add because that was very... That was very comprehensive, except just Veronica, I'm really sorry to hear about your miscarriages and your fertility struggles. And it's exciting to know that, you know, there are answers and solutions out there to address this. So it's good to know there are resources out there. So thank you, Cynthia. Thank you for sharing that question, because I would imagine there are many other listeners who are struggling or have struggled with those same issues and may have those same questions. And also, I'm glad you brought up, did we answer a listener question? about inositol on this show? I don't think so. I'm glad you brought it up because I know we've had at least one, maybe multiple questions come in about it, but we should include them in a future lineup since you're savvy on that. So awesome. Yes. All right. Shall we go on to our next question? Absolutely. This is from Rebecca and the title is Another Stevia Question. Hi, your podcast is very helpful. I've been binge listening for only a couple weeks now, so I'm sure you've answered this before. But even of the few episodes I've heard, when you talk about sweeteners like stevia or even cinnamon and other additives to coffee, I've not heard or found this distinction. Is the trouble that the insulin the stevia stimulates chemically stops the fasting process? Or is it that the insulin stimulation makes us hungry, therefore we may break our fast sooner than if we don't have stevia? I've used stevia and an almond creamer in my coffee and have still been able to fast for at least five hours after sticking to my goal of 16 to 18 hours of not eating. Have I technically been shortening my fast all this time? Thank you in advance, Rebecca. All right, Rebecca, thank you for your question. And yeah, this is a good concept to consider. And I think a way to approach it is, so when we say fasting, we are basically saying the state of not having food in your system. So being in a fasted state. That said, people can be fasted and due to their individual metabolic state, they might not necessarily even reflect the biomarkers we would associate with being fasted. So, and what I mean by that is people might have really high blood sugar levels even while being fasted. They might have high insulin levels while being fasted. So I know we say that like, something non-caloric, quote, breaks the fast. But I actually think that's a little bit misleading because 
you are still fasted. And if you released insulin, that could have also happened as well if you were in a certain metabolic state. So it's a subtle nuance, but it is a nuance. So basically, if you had stevia while fasted, you're not not fasted anymore. People might say that it breaks the fast. You're not not fasted. (laughs) You might just be fasted, but you released insulin, which can make your fast more difficult, might make you not tap into your fat stores as well because insulin can lock your fat stores. So basically you can possibly be in a fasted state where you're not achieving the fat burning, beneficial, healthy, good effects of fasting. And then she was asking, does it make you break your fast sooner because you eat? Well, that would be eating that broke the fast, (laughs) not the stevia, but then the stevia kind of led to it. It's kind of like root versus proximate cause and that whole concept. So, and then one other thing I just wanted to point out, and I know Cynthia has thoughts on this because she recently did a presentation on a study related to this, right? I did. I did actually, I have a monthly call with my IF45 coaches and Because we get asked about stevia so often, I had literally just stumbled upon this journal article. And so it's in Cell. It's Personalized Microbiome-Driven Effects of Non-Nutritive Sweeteners on Human Glucose Tolerance. So obviously that's a mouthful. But what it looked at is over a 28-day period of time, the impact, and I don't know anyone who uses saccharin, but it was saccharin and sucralose, stevia aspartame. And what's interesting is, so this is a randomized controlled trial. So this is, you know, good data. Sucralose and saccharin impaired glucose tolerance the most, more so than stevia and aspartame. But what's interesting is that the impaired glucose tolerance over time was greater with saccharin and sucralose, but not permanent. So you did see some impairment oral glucose tolerance tests with all four of those It was worse with saccharin and sucralose, but it also speaks to the fact that when we get nuanced about these sweeteners, like they're not all benign. Like I I think all of us have to be mindful of how much sweeteners we use in our lives, whether it's aspartame, sucralose, stevia, monk fruit, et cetera. And what was interesting is there was also this secondary look at the gut microbiome and the gut microbiome is actually impacted by these non-nutritive sweeteners, which secondarily impaired glucose tolerance. So it showed causality. And we've talked about that before. Correlation is not causation, but it's enough to give us pause. And what was interesting is they actually did fecal transplants in mice that were given these non-nutritive sweeteners. And what was interesting was that the fecal transplant for those with gut microbiome changes improved their gut microbiome health. And I know fecal transplants are like freaky. Everyone freaks out about that, but there is actually like good information on that. So big takeaway was these non-nutritive sweeteners, obviously sucralose and saccharin. And I don't know anyone who uses saccharin. I know my grandmother used to enjoy it. So big takeaways are these non-nutritive sweeteners can impact oral glucose tolerance. So that's important. The effects were temporary. So if you stop the non-nutritive sweeteners, it improved but just something to kind of take away from it is is not to suggest that they're all good or bad, but you want to avoid sucralose, aspartame without question, and just be cognizant of the fact that these sugars, these faux sugars, these, I don't know what type of stevia they used. It was probably like Truvia, which is Coca-Cola's branded stevia product, stevia, stevia. Just the big takeaway for me was I get asked about stevia like almost every day it's not all benign. Like just keep that in mind. It doesn't mean that, you know, you're you're going to develop insulin resistance and diabetes, but if you're already someone who's insulin resistant, 
or diabetic, you you probably need to disassociate yourself from some of these products. Like it really could be increasingly problematic. That's just the the one thing I wanted to share. And I talked about this on a prior episode and I know I recently connected Cynthia to this author, but I finally had my interview with Mark Schatzker who wrote The Dorito Effect and The End of Craving. And that just completely blew my mind about these non-nutritive sweeteners. So these non-caloric sweeteners talked about in a prior episode, but I'll just say it again. So they have done studies. I actually went and did a deep, deep dive into the studies that he referenced because I literally didn't believe him. Like, Like I read what he said about them and I was like, that's not, there's no way. And then I read it and it was true. So they have found in studies that this is not in the context of fasting. This is in the context of food, but they did a study where they had basically five drinks that had various levels of calories in it using artificial sweeteners. It tasted like it was a certain calorie amount. And what they found was when the calories in the drink did not match what the brain perceived, like thought it was going to be due to the sweetener, the person wouldn't burn the calories. So this is just mind blowing. And this went on both sides. So basically like if they got a 70 calorie drink that had around 70 calories, they would burn it. But if they got like a 10 calorie drink and it wasn't 10, those are, I should probably use the exact numbers. (laughs) If they got a lower calorie drink that tasted like it was more calories, they wouldn't burn those calories, which is crazy because so often we use these sweeteners like stevia to quote, lower the calories in food and make it still taste sweet. But it's possible that when we're doing that, our bodies are actually turning off their burn mechanism and storing everything rather than actually burning stuff. And then the the thing on the flip side happened. So when the drink was way more calories than it tasted like it was, the same thing. You would think that they would at least burn the 70 calories that they thought was in it, but the bodies of the people in the experiment would just like not burn anything. It was basically like, and his theory is that when the calories don't match what our brain thinks it should be, the brain interprets it as uncertainty. So it goes into this state of thinking that fuel shortages are a possibility because things aren't certain anymore. And so we just start storing calories to prep against you know a future famine or something. It's mind-blowing. These things can possibly be messing with us. No, absolutely. And then that's why I think it's important in the context of, you know, stevia is not all good or all bad. I think that it's in the greater context. And it's funny, Benny Tortorich is a dear friend and he his kind of methodology is no sugar, no grains. And I spoke at an event with him earlier this summer. And of course, one of the questions that came up for him was, you know, what are your thoughts on monk fruit and stevia and, you know, like all these different options. And he just said, we're not fixing the problem. Like we really genuinely have to stop eating so much sugar. And so we just keep coming up with alternatives you know, whether it's a non-nutritive sweetener, whether it's stevia, whether it's monk fruit, thyrotol, et cetera, you know, his feeling was it still doesn't fix the problem. Like we, we have a predilection or a predisposition to really wanting and desiring sweet things. And so we just keep looking for the next, you know, the next thing, the next type of sweetener that's not going to have a negligible impact on our blood sugar, therefore it's fine. And, and so I think it just really speaks to the fact that we have to be 
cautious and and careful about using sweeteners in general. I could not agree more. Yeah, I feel like we're looking at the wrong marker. Like we think if we just look at the blood sugar or even the insulin that that will tell the whole story about the effect, but it's so much potentially farther reaching. Yeah. I mean, think about the gut microbiome and and the more we learn about the gut microbiome, the more humbled I am, like in, in all honesty, like completely and utterly humbled. I did want to comment. So Rebecca is talking about the stevia and almond creamer, and she's just wondering if the stevia is actually shortening her fast, but the almond creamer is actually taking in calories during the fast. So that actually, in theory, is actually breaking your fast because it's literally calories. So you have been possibly shortening your fast, even all the nuances of the stevia, the um, almond creamer is doing something there. Shall we go on to our next question? Absolutely. So this question comes from Harper and the subject is snack suggestions. And Harper says, hi guys, thanks so much for your podcast. I'm new to IF and I have a couple questions regarding snacks. I like to graze throughout my window instead of eating big meals. I make sure to get my protein and veggies in, but I've recently been snacking on a lot of mixed nuts slash trail mix. Not only am I worried about it hindering weight loss because of how energy dense it is, but it's wreaking havoc on my digestive system. My plan is to slow it down on the nuts, but I would love for some other snack suggestions instead. Then she also says, is it true that polyunsaturated fats slow your metabolism? I thought I remember that this was mentioned in an earlier podcast episode. Thank you. Do you have snack suggestions? Well, Harper, thank you for your question. I think that Part of what I struggle with as I'm, I'm trying to, to make sure I provide a, a helpful response is the first question is, why do you graze? Because are you not eating enough in that meal? Like the first meal you eat when you open up your feeding window, is it just kind of low on calories and you're, and you're just not hitting that nutrient density to kind of hit those satiety hormones? You know, when, when people are eating a lot of mixed nuts and trail mix and they're having digestive issues, I think about oxalates and I think about just the nutrient density of nuts in general, which are wonderful. I love macadamia nuts. Like I'm obsessed with salted macadamia nuts, let me be clear, but I have to measure them out and eat a quarter cup and then I'm done because it's so easy to continue overeating on nuts. So I, I think about a couple things. If you're asking for alternatives, if you get hungry in between meals, I probably would focus on protein. I think about Paleo Valley beef jerky is probably my personal favorite. And that's how I kind of gauge whether or not I'm really hungry. If I want to eat a piece of beef jerky or rolled up turkey or rolled up roast beef, or, you know, if you do dairy, having, you know, a small piece of cheese, you know, really focusing in, or if you do other types of dairy and you can do a full fat Greek yogurt that's unsweetened, just really leaning into the protein is a good way to feel satisfied and then also be focused on hitting those protein macros, which I think are so important as it pertains to polyunsaturated fats. I don't know if she's speaking directly to seed oils, but that's where I generally get concerned if, if people are unknowingly consuming seed oils and recognizing how much oxidative stress and rancidity and inflammation that a lot of these inferior oils will create. That's why I always recommend, you know, read your food labels really carefully and, and, and be very attuned to what's in your food because the number one fat right now that's consumed in the United States is soybean oil, which is incredibly distressing. So that's probably where I would start. Like, Lean into some protein to, if you're going to, if you feel like you need to eat in between meals and then the other pieces, you know, I 
think that polyunsaturated fats like seed oils are things to be avoided. And so, yes, they could, they could actually ultimately lead to some degree of insulin resistance. So they can impact your metabolism in negative ways. Melanie, I know that you are a grazer during your feeding window. So I, I know that you'll have a different angle for this and probably one that's, that's super thoughtful. It's funny that you say that because my first thought was, I was like, oh, this is kind of like me, but I'm actually a hybrid. I do eat for an extended period of time for probably four to five hours straight. Some of it is grazing. So like the first part of it is like grazing. I, I munch on cucumbers and drink wine while winding down. But then I have like a meal and I eat a lot of protein all at once. And then I munch on fruit, a lot of fruit for a long time as I'm continuing to wind down. So it's kind of like a graze, eat, graze thing. And so I love what you were saying, Cynthia, about the increasing the protein. So yes, Harper, I would agree about the potential of nuts to hinder weight loss and be energy dense. I often say that if there are two food categories, like especially within the whole foods world, and maybe people might debate the definition of this for one of these things, but basically within the potentially paleo primal world that can cause an issue for being very energy dense and encouraging weight gain, it would be nuts and dairy. So you're definitely being intuitive with that perception there. So things I would recommend is you can basically go one of two ways in my opinion, or both. (laughs) And so one is the, if you just want something to like snack on and you just enjoy the snacking grazing process, the reason I love cucumbers, not the reason, but I love cucumbers because I could just snack on them and eat them and they're hydrating and they make me feel good and they help my digestion. So cucumbers are awesome. I went through a lot of phases leading up to cucumbers because I used to always want to have something that I liked munching on in the beginning of my eating window. So this is going to sound crazy, but I went through like a lettuce phase. Like I loved munching on. It's surprising when you cut out processed foods completely, like how good just really plain stuff can feel. So I actually really like like munching on like romaine lettuce or even like iceberg lettuce and celery is a fun one to munch on. I actually personally don't really like celery, but it's a good one for that category. So there's a lot of like carrots. If you do, if you like carrots, there's a lot of fun veggies. Also, you know, broccoli. Some people like it raw. I know it can potentially have issues with goitrogens and stuff like that, but or cooked. So there's a lot of like veggies you can munch on. The protein though, I think is a great thing. Like Cynthia said, the meat, the jerky, the turkey. I could eat protein all day, every day, and I could graze on protein. Like I love protein. Hi friends. So I'm sort of haunted by clothes. If you follow me on Instagram, you probably know that I love wearing all the new clothes all the time. And I know that that is not really sustainable and not good for the planet. That's why I am thrilled that there is now a way to get all of the clothes with none of the waste. And I'm going to tell you how you can get unlimited clothes with no waste for a month for free. That's right. I now have a website for both myself and you guys where you can get free unlimited clothes with free shipping, free exchanges, nonstop from all of the hottest brands. And it is so incredibly easy. It's called MelanieAvalon'sCloset.com. We have so many incredible brands, including my favorites like BCBG, Calvin Klein, and so many more. Think like a hundred brands. There are so many options. And the way it works is when you get a subscription, 
You search through the clothes, pick what you want. They send it to you with fast, easy shipping. You wear it as long as you want. And then when you're ready for more clothes, you just drop it off in their prepackaged envelope and get your next round. It is so incredibly cool. They have multiple plans. The starter plan gives you two pieces at a time. Friends, I actually have a little secret hacked. Don't tell them that I told you this. When you get your two pieces, you can actually immediately go into your account, click return, and they'll go ahead and send you the next two pieces. So technically you can have four pieces at a time. You also have a cool virtual closet that you can keep stocked with everything you eventually want to order so you never miss out. And if you really like something and want to keep it, you can opt to buy it at a massively discounted price. Friends, I'm obsessed. This is finally the answer to wearing all the clothes all the time with none of the waste. Oh, and of course, one of my major reservations was the cleaning compounds that they use on the clothes because yes, it is dry cleaning, which normally makes me nervous. And they don't say this on the website. So I reached out to them and I was like, hey, what's going on with the cleaning? What do you guys use? Because I can't promote this if it's just normal dry cleaning. And thankfully, they let me know that they do not use any detergents, fabric softeners, or chemicals that are harsh. Everything is professionally dry cleaned or laundered with detergents that are free from dyes and scents. It's all gentle and it uses low temperature cycles. So yes, we are good on that front as well. It is the coolest thing ever. And you can try it free for a month. Yes, completely free. Just go to melanieavalonscloset.com to sign up. Free clothes for a month. After that, their plans are super affordable. We're talking honestly, an entire month is less than the cost of typically what would be the cost of one dress. And I am not kidding. That's right. Unlimited clothes for less than the cost of one outfit. I'm just so thrilled to bring this resource to you guys. I can't wait to hear what you guys think. So again, get free unlimited clothes for a month at melanieavalonscloset.com. That's melanieavalonscloset.com for all of the clothes, none of the waste. And definitely share your pictures and tag me on Instagram because I want to see all the fabulous things that you guys are wearing. That's melanieavalonscloset.com. I love that you love cucumbers too. I'm obsessed with them. I love cucumbers. Yes. So, and then also fruit. If you are eating higher carbs in your macros, fruit can be really nice to snack on. I eat pounds, yes, pounds of blueberries every day. That's not an exaggeration. And then to comment on the polyunsaturated fats, yes, definitely check out my interview. I know you're friends with her. So if you have you had Kate on your show? I was about to say, Kate Shanahan, we've both interviewed her. She's an amazing resource. If you like want to dive down that rabbit hole, and I always say, once you see, you can't unsee, she's a fantastic resource. Yes. So Kate Shanahan, the first book I read by her was Deep Nutrition. That was before I'd interviewed her or met her. And then I brought her on the show for Fat Burn Fix. Cynthia has had her as well. So we'll put links in the show notes to those interviews. It's the fat burn fix that dives deep into the role of polyunsaturated fats on our metabolism. It is full of studies. Basically, she makes the case that yes, polyunsaturated fats, the effect that they have on the mitochondria is both inflammatory, so creating oxidative stress and also slowing down metabolism. She references, and I'd have to revisit it, but she references a study that I thought was very eye-opening. It was in vitro, but they basically looked at cells and when they were burning either saturated, monounsaturated, polyunsaturated, I feel like there was a fourth one. I'm not sure. I'd have to double check. But basically the amount of energy that they created from that, although surprisingly, this has stuck with me because nobody really 
emphasizes this, the monounsaturated fat is what did the best, like is what burned the brightest. I think literally they use the term like bright, but the polyunsaturated fats had a, a negative effect. They didn't create as much energy. So, and I think they probably had an oxidative stress effect as well. But I did want to emphasize because as Cynthia pointed out, I believe the the main issue with these is when they're coming in the form of refined vegetable and seed oils, because polyunsaturated fats are very prone to damage from heat that largely accentuates their metabolic issues with oxidative stress. And so when we have these heat processed seed oils, they can create a lot of issues with inflammation. And something that Dr. Shanahan talks about is how they change the fat composition of your actual cells. So then your actual cells become more inflammatory. So it's it can really be a problem. And like Cynthia said, soybean oil is just so prevalent. So I am like perpetually on the fence about should you like high dose omega-3, you know, like fish oil supplements? I don't. Yeah. I don't at present. And I'm normally on the side of no, but then I'll like listen to a Rhonda Patrick episode because she's like very pro that and she'll be interviewing some expert and I'll be like, oh, I need to be like, (laughs) I need to be like high dosing the fish oil. I think it's really dependent on whether or not you metabolize and break down fats efficiently. So if you're fat malabsorbed, I think that can be problematic. And for a lot of people that have these dysbiotic, you know, inflamed guts, which is a lot of people, I, I just think, you know, you'd be better off eating a piece of fatty fish. Like in that, that's kind of like my methodology. Like I used to take fish oil and I used to recommend it all the time. And now I've kind of backed off on that. And I think it's fine for each one of us if we decide what works for us or what doesn't. It's interesting. Benazadi talks a lot about rancidity in a lot of the fish oil. So quality is going to be really important. If you decide to go down that route, that's definitely really, really important. And, you know, the other thing is, where do they source from? That's also super important because you don't want to be consuming PCB-laden, mercury-toxic fish oil. Yes. I'm so glad you said that. Two thoughts to piggyback on that. One, with the fish oils, like I have vetted brands because I I have thought about it, like maybe because I am so concerned about the issues with fish oils. Like I will never order a fish oil off of Amazon during the summer just think about the warehouse that it's been in, the, that, that heat. I mean, that's probably creating more inflammatory damage than not. When I order fish oil, I only order, especially on Amazon, I only order it in the winter. The source is so important. And so I, I've been thinking maybe down the line, I, I might make my own and I would be so, that would be like, I would want to look into like cold shipping and it would just be a whole thing. I'm glad you brought that up about the individual. I think another thought about supplementing or not supplementing is what is the mainstay of your diet? What is the omega-3, omega-6 ratio of your diet in general? So like for me, the majority of what I eat is Australia spare moondi, which is my favorite fish. It's a white fish. It's the white fish with the highest amount of omega-3s of any white fish, but it's also lean, which to me, that makes it the perfect fish because I actually don't think you need an overwhelming amount of these fats. You just need a healthy form of them and the right ratio. Where do you get that fish? Let me just like talk about how much I love Australia. So they have it <laughs> they have it at Whole Foods and they have it at Costco. Oh, I don't think I've seen it. It, may, it might be that I'm just not looking for it. Yes. So it's not in this. So you know how Whole Foods, I mean, I don't know what your Whole Foods is like, but you know how normally the fish is like on the floor? You have to go to the drawer, like the, what's it called? Like, like a door freezer. 
not like a stand-up freezer. It's in the stand-up freezers, not in the lay-down freezers. The plain, because they have ones with like flavorings that I'm not about, <laughs> including, I think, seed oils. But if you get the plain one, oh, it's delicious. Also, to clarify, this is very important. It's Barramundi. I'm not endorsing normal Barramundi because normal Barramundi is going to be high in mercury. Australia's Barramundi, it's raised sustainably in tanks and fed a a diet monitored for mercury. And the majority of mercury in a fish comes from their diet. It has to be free of mercury or negligible in mercury. So I actually think it is the perfect fish. Wow. See, I did. I learned something new. So that's the majority of what I eat, that and scallops, which has a favorable omega-3, omega-6 ratio. So like for me, I feel like the ratio of my body, and I need to do a test on this. I actually have a test, uh, let's get checked test that I need to take. I feel like my ratios from my diet is probably very favorable for omega-3s. So I don't know that I necessarily need to add omega-3s. Yeah, no, it sounds like you're very diligent. I think the average... The statistic I see is, you know, it should be one-to-one omega-6 to omega-3. And so it's ones, you know, the omega-6s are considered to be pro-inflammatory and omega-3s are anti-inflammatory and I'm oversimplifying things. But here in the United States, it's like 20 to one, like 20 omega-6s to one omega-3 because we eat so many seed oils and crappy processed foods. So just something to consider. Yeah. And the turnover of that, the half-life of that is a very long time. I think three years, I think it takes... Probably three years. Mm-hmm. It damages the cellular membrane for up to two years. I think that's that's the phospholipid, oops, bilayer. That's how long it takes to overturn. So it's a problem. So I always say it's not so benign when you go when you go to the restaurant and you're like, I'm just going to have the regular salad dressing. It's like, oh, yeah. So well, hopefully that was helpful. I am so impressed with this, Cynthia. We got through so many questions. I know, I know. So we have this. You know, sometimes it's two, and sometimes it's four or five. So. Yes. Well, this has been absolutely wonderful. So a few things for listeners before we go. And actually, I'm going to do a quick plug. One more plug. I mentioned this last episode, but it's not too late. Last episode, I talked about Shield Your Body, which is an EMF blocking company. They're incredible. Their products actually work. And they are having a free Shield Your Body EMF Radiation Safety Day on September 22nd. So coming up, and there are so many amazing free things you can get with that. So if you go to shieldyourbody.com slash RSD, you can get some resources that will tell you the two key rules to reduce your EMF exposure. And as a reminder, EMF is a classified as a class 2B carcinogen by the World Health Organization. It's linked in studies to sleep disruption, infertility, Alzheimer's, and cancer. It's a big deal. It's a problem. So you can learn more at that link and you can enter to win a Shield Your Body bed canopy worth $2,000, which is incredible. So that's shieldyourbody.com slash RSD. You can also use the coupon code Melanie Avalon to get 15% off site-wide of all of their products. I love their products. I'm using their headphones right now as we speak. I'm using their laptop pad right now as we speak. They have clothing. They have products for babies. So many things. So we'll put links to that in the show notes. If you would like to submit your own questions for the show, you can email questions at iapodcast.com or you can go to iapodcast.com and you can submit questions there. The show notes will be at iapodcast.com slash episode 283. They will have a full transcript, so definitely check that out as well as links to everything that we talked about. And lastly, you can follow us on Instagram. We are iapodcast. I am Melanie Avalon. Cynthia is Cynthia underscore Thurlow underscore. Whew, I think that is... All the things. Awesome. Can't wait for our next episode.
Likewise, I hope you have a wonderful rest of your evening. Enjoy those slides and I will talk to you next week. Sounds good. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. Please remember, everything we discussed on this show does not constitute medical advice and no patient-doctor relationship is formed. If you enjoyed the show, please consider writing a review on iTunes. We couldn't do this without our amazing team. Administration by Sharon Merriman. Editing by Podcast Doctors. Show notes and artwork by Brianna Joyner. Transcripts by Speech Docs. And original theme composed by Leland Cox and recomposed by Steve Saunders. See you next week.